0: Welcome back to another episode of Better Than I Found It, the podcast All Things College Golf. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University. Today's guest on Better Than I Found It is my good friend and colleague, Bowen Sargent, who happens to be the men's golf coach at the University of Virginia. Bowen, a fine player himself, has coached numerous PGA Tour players and also led Virginia to a match play appearance at the NCAA Championship in 2023. His teams have advanced to the NCAA postseason 15 consecutive years. He's a former winner of the Jan Strickland Award given annually to the nation's top assistant coach and is a fine example of what excellence looks like in our profession. I hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. Join me in welcoming to the Better Than I Founded podcast University of Virginia head coach Bowen Sargent. Bowen, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know it's a busy schedule because mine is too right now. But thanks for taking the time out to join me today for this podcast.
1: Yeah, absolute pleasure. This is something I've always wanted to do. Um, so I appreciate you to uh, invite me today.
0: Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. We coach. Uh, we run into other coaches off and on. I don't see you every week, but I see you at least a few times a year, and uh, I've always enjoyed our interactions. Love the way you coach. Uh, I've, I've watched you since you were an assistant coach way back when, when you were at Tennessee and, and I was an assistant coach at the same time, but it, it's just great to get coaches that I think have been successful on the podcast to find out why, to what, are, you know, success leads clues. So you've done very, very well in Virginia. I know you're, uh, you've brought it up to an elite level program and, that's I want to know why. So you got to be revealing today. All right. Well, speaking of seeing each other occasionally, we did see each other recently in San Antonio a week and a half ago. We played in the the, the inaugural Valero, Texas Collegiate, and we got to play together that second round. I really enjoyed that. It's good seeing your players up close and personal. So uh, let's talk about that a little. Let's wrap that up, if you will.
1: Yeah, a, a, unbelievable tournament. Wow. Um, UTSA and I guess uh, Ho- Oklahoma Hibble was involved in a little bit of that, but incredible, incredible tournament. So shout, big shout out to them uh, and all the work they did Wasserman and Valero and putting that together. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to play with you as always. Uh, I've always looked up to you uh, as a friend and a colleague and um, you know, great to play with your guy, good group of guys. Wow. My assistant um, at some point said, Man, these dudes can play for Baylor. So uh, <laughs> you got a good squad this year.
0: Well, thank you. I, I'm really proud of these
1: guys. You know,
0: it's you, you think it's because you've done such an incredible job of recruiting, right? <laughs> when you get a good group of kids together. And it is partly that, partly because you attract, when you recruit, you hopefully attract the kind of guys you that you want to represent your university. Doesn't always happen. Sometimes you miss. But I'm really really proud of this group. I know you are of yours as well uh saying you guys are a wonderful team. you're really good and we we battled very uh fiercely that last day and and boy Vanderbilt pulled away from the field didn't they?
1: Wow, yeah, you know you you kind of were suspicious after those first two rounds. you knew you knew they had it in them and and they woke up there that final round and uh blitzed uh blitzed the field. That's another coach
0: I want to get on this podcast. Just haven't been able to make it happen, but Scott Limbaugh, the job he has done short of winning a national championship. It's been absolute domination for about eight years. Incredible.
1: Yeah. I grew up in Nashville. I actually got my start uh, at Vanderbilt working for Mason Rudolph. I, I know you know that name oh, yeah. and I volunteered one year in 94, I believe they were hosting the sec championship and they needed some help. And um, gosh, they, Vanderbilt golf has never been any good. And, Uh, You know, I grew up in Nashville, lived there. And then to see what Scott's done, just unbelievable. Probably one of the best jobs uh, in the last 20 years. Um, Incredible.
0: Well, it underscores the fact that we've got more quality coaches getting in the profession today. Guys that work harder, guys that are smarter, guys that have playing backgrounds, guys that it's like they, you know, there was that... uh, I don't know, that Twitter feed a while back about being a van driver and, you know, when when somebody called us van drivers. But truly, probably 40 years ago, they pretty much were van drivers. You had Mike Holder and a few other coaches that were doing an incredible job, and and they stood out. But we don't have a lot of weak coaches. This is a great group of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I tell people all the time, probably when I got into it, there might have been 20 good coaches, but now there's – 150 there's probably more than that if you count assistants um I and mean, there's probably 300 <laughs> well and
0: you know with facilities being ramped up salaries have gone up uh tournament quality of tournaments has has gone up it's like everything in college golf has has increased and gotten better i don't know why it wouldn't the pga tour is better than it's ever been uh professional golf is junior golf's better than it's ever been when a kid comes out of junior golf as a seasoned Junior player. I mean, he's ready to play college golf. And when a kid plays college golf at a high level for four years with PGA Tour, university, and all of this, he's ready to go play professional golf. It's like we've upped the the ante, if you will. It's gotten better at all levels. And I mean, Scott Limbaugh is a perfect example of a great young coach. He's not as young as he once was, but he seems (laughs) young to me, and has done an incredible job. And yes, they did pull away. And and interestingly enough, a a Baylor Bear, uh, Bill Alcorn, who was coaching his first tournament at TCU, uh, did an amazing job. They, they had a chance to win that golf tournament and they finished second. Bill's going to be an amazing coach.
1: Yes, he is. He's very impressive. Um, yeah, they, they had a great week as well.
0: Yeah. So I enjoyed competing with you. That was good. What's, what do you have, uh, you played one other event since then we have as well. What did you, where did you guys play?
1: Yeah, we were just down the street from you guys. We were at uh, Chicago Highlands. Um, you guys were, I think, just maybe a little bit north of us um, there at Olympia, but uh, got home last night um, and uh, read, ready to go. We go to Maidstone next, so we got about 10 days here in between. We're going to do a little qualifying and uh, hit the road again. But, um, yeah, we were – I think you guys uh, got that rain on Sunday, but we 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 dodged – that was the practice round day for us, so we kind of dodged some of that. But uh, played up there awake uh, and um, – Missouri tied for the lead. We lost by a shot, uh, finished third, uh, but Wake and, and Missouri uh, shot thirty or thirty-one under and beat us, beat us by one. So, wow, great, great playing there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Olympia Fields didn't didn't play as easy as thirty under.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Wow, we played hard.
0: The uh, the golf course is always a pleasure to play. It's always an amazing place to be. Uh, we finished, I think, seventh, but had a great field there. So you're off to a great start this year.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we we've got a good team. Ben James jumped back in the lineup this week, which gave us a little extra uh, boost. Um, and and we played well. He he didn't maybe play his best golf. Um, but uh no, we had a good week and and finished third. So we've had a fourth and a third and um hopefully we can keep moving maybe second then one. <laughs> um Yeah, if you get one, you may
0: just keep on getting number one, right?
1: Yeah, 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 and it would be a Bruce Hepler's tournament, um, which that would be a really nice win if if we continue to trend that way. So, um, speaking of great coaches who have done a great job, I mean, people don't
0: talk about it very often, but and I know I'm talking about other coaches and lauding their, uh, you know, giving all their accolades, but Bruce has done an amazing job at Georgia Tech, and uh, he almost won his first national championship this past summer, and it's it's just amazing to think of the really good people we have in our profession I'm not just I'm not just uh, pumping us up uh, falsely here it's true
1: no I think that's one of the coolest things I, I you know I hear that all the time from volunteers especially about our kids you know you go play in a tournament volunteers are wow these kids are so nice you know we we volunteer at other events around town and he's like they always say thank you and they are so gracious and humble and um it is. Yeah, I think we're very lucky to coach in, in, in golf and in the circle that we run in. Uh it's a good group of people.
0: It is. And we're trying to teach them life skills as they go, but also uh sometimes they teach us. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. I can't well anyway, we can go on and on about that, but we and we will talk about your players here in just a bit and some of the players you've coached in the past. But um what got you interested in coaching to begin with? Because you were a very, very good player, and obviously. I guess the playing career kind of waned and, and went to a certain. but why, who got you interested in coaching? How did you get your start?
1: Well, oddly enough, playing for coach Sykes, um, who probably passed away about a year ago this weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I played for him and he was totally different and unique. And um, I just love, like he just seemed like he had so much fun and enjoyed what he was doing. And, my dad was a high school coach, uh, kind of similar to you. Like he, he grew up teaching uh, U.S. and world history, but, uh, you know, trying to provide for our family, he you know, coached track and football and bat. He coached everything. Um, so between my father and, and coach Sykes, um, I knew in the back of my mind, this is always something I wanted to do, but I just, I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it. To be honest, I, you know, I wanted to play professional golf and I did that for eight, eight years. Um, but I didn't know, you know, assistants at that time, nobody really had assistance. Um, so what was the pathway forward? What was the avenue? Coaches don't get fired, especially back then, like they stayed for 30, 40 years. So I didn't really know, you know, how to get into this. Um, but I loved Coach Sykes. Um, and he he was really the reason that I got into coaching, coaching golf.
0: Yeah, Richard Sykes is an absolute, in my opinion, a, a legendary figure in our profession no doubt about it he was successful he had a lot of great teams by the way yes. but but his sense of humor and his uh his quick wit his uh i don't know he just he had a way about him you always felt a little bit better about the world after you spent some time with richard and and you kind of came up with a new joke occasionally off color but <laughs> not not <laughs> perfect but occasionally uh Uh, He was very, very, very good at what he did. And I know his players respected him and loved him. And, and, uh, yeah, it was was sad losing him last year. But but you got – so you'd say he or your dad or both were the biggest influences getting you into coaching.
1: Yeah, I would say up until college, obviously, my dad, you know, at that point, I was thinking professional golf. Um, But then as I got into college, I was like, man, coach has so much fun. Like, you know, he used to say every day's a Saturday and every night's a Friday or something had some saying like that. And and it was true. Like, that's the way he treated every day. And I was like, man, this seems like it's fun. Um, But uh, as I got into it, I learned it's a lot more work behind the scenes, but he made it look easy like most true professionals do. He did.
0: And um, I just
1: enjoyed, I'll never forget a conversation I had with Richard
0: at the 2006 NCAA in Sun River, Oregon. We were able to win that week, very fortunate to win, but it was the morning before the third round and it was going to be cold and rainy and wet and just, it was going to be horrible. 49 for a high. It was just going to be a tough day with rain spitting down all day. And I'll never forget because he knew we had a team that could win. He knew that Oklahoma state had a chance and, he said, coach, you just need to kick back, put your feet up on the handlebars and enjoy the rest of this week because your team's ready to win. Never forget him saying that. And I listened to him and I just enjoyed my time with Pablo Martin. You know, I walked with him the last two rounds and he played beautifully and our team was able to win. But it was like Richard was just get, hey, just settle down, coach. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. And I think I think that's what I try to let young coaches know is it's never as bad as you think it is. and stressing about it's not going to help your team play any better and they're going to feed off of that negative energy do you
1: you ever catch yourself doing that in in competition absolutely yeah um yeah i you know i think every coach experiences that um and and the ones that are um observant enough to kind of notice and catch yourself in those situations you know you have to snap out of it and um cause it is easy to be cynical in this game. It's easy to be critical. Uh, it's kind of what we do. We watch and you're trying to get players. You're always trying to make them better. Um, so you, you do analyze a lot, but then that, that can lead into being critical at times. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think at times you got to take a, a look in the mirror and say, Hey, I've, I've gone a little too far here. I've gone overboard and and step back from that.
0: Yeah. Good advice by Richard. Good advice by you just now. So, um, you got in as an assistant coach at Tennessee. Um, you had played North Carolina State, so you'd seen high-level golf. Uh, and Tennessee was actually very good when you were there. They're great again because of Brendan Webb's influence. But, but uh, talk about your time as an assistant coach. You were the second uh, recipient of the Jan Strickland National Assistant Coach of the Year Award. Uh, that that's a, that was a pretty had to be a pretty neat thing when you were you were coach.
1: Well, it's neat to follow a legend. I know it's always hard to to follow a legend, but yeah, to follow Mike McGraw in that um was was quite an honor. I, I, obviously a new award. Um, you know, but I, I worked for Jim Kelson there at Tennessee, another character, um, good guy, good heart, uh, gave me a, a break in the profession. And uh, you know, that's where I, I got kickstarted and uh learned a lot. Like we were recruiting a lot from from England, Europe at that time. So I got to travel overseas and uh, recruit international players, which is something I really haven't done a lot of here at Virginia. But, um, you know, I certainly learned a lot there for for my three and a half years at Tennessee. But uh, a good guy, uh, character for sure. Uh, He and Buddy Alexander were really good friends. I learned a lot from Buddy. Um, I I think Buddy is one of the all-time great coaches. um, And uh, learned learned a lot from him for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Buddy Alexander, he's been a, a guest on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, that guy <clears throat> can tell stories like nobody's business. <laughs> and he was a great player to boot and an incredible coach. His record uh, was one of those iconic records that we think about. But so you won the Jan Strickland Award in 2004 um, as the assist, National Assistant Coach of the Year. What makes a great assistant coach? Because I know you have a great one in Dustin Groves right now. What are his great qualities? And what do you think are the most important qualities? to be a great assistant coach?
1: I think first and foremost is being loyal to the head coach. Um, I think that is number one. Um, You know, you you have to get on the same page. There can't be two two messages. And, you know, you walk a thin line as an assistant. Like, it's kind of tough because you do get closer to the players. You hear things that maybe the head coach doesn't need to hear. (laughs) Um, And so you're walking that thin line of, You know what's what's too much, what's too little, um, and and yet being loyal to the coach while also having, uh, you know, probably a closer bond because usually you're younger, so you're closer in age to the guys. Um, I think it's a it's a tricky proposition at times being an assistant, Um, but I think the the good ones find a way to manage that. And um, you know, as as for Dustin, uh, very similar to you and I, like really good player. Um, high energy and very enthusiastic. Um, played at Wake Forest, played for Coach Haas. Um, you know, g- great player, still plays uh, today, played a couple tournaments this summer. Uh, loves to compete. Uh, good teacher. Um, gets along well with the guys, even though he's 35, you wouldn't know it. You'd think he's probably 28. Um, but uh, very youthful, very energetic.
0: Yeah, he's he's wonderful. He's very noticeable as a coach. He's a good young one, uh, again. We spoke about the people that are getting in the profession. It's crazy how many good ones are. A lot of them former players, like he, like Dustin is a former really really good player, but also just good people. And you you mentioned young. I can remember when I got let go at Oklahoma State. I became a 53 year old assistant coach to Jay Sewell. <laughs> so I wasn't young, but <laughs> um, I remember thinking to myself, "This is going to be a challenge for me." <clears throat> and I remember thinking about what Bobby Wyatt told Coach Sewell. Bobby was furious with Coach Sewell for hiring me. He was really, really upset at the beginning because it's how are we going to have two head coaches? This isn't going to work. And I didn't know Bobby had said that, but I was thinking the same thing. I cannot try to be a head coach here. I've got to be an assistant to Jay Sewell, learn as much as I can and, and help him where he thinks he needs me. And I think honestly, that was the best advice I've ever given myself because I didn't try to force what I knew or what I thought I knew on those players. I just kind of let it come to me organically. And honestly, I, I can't, can't imagine having a more enjoyable year and it had nothing to do with that national championship. That was just an icing on the cake. The year had been incredible up to that point. I enjoyed it. So I agree with you assistant coaches. uh, they, They were, it's a fine line you have to run and, what made you a good assistant coach? You won the national assistant coach of the year. Why were you good?
1: Gosh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I I don't know. I I think my biggest thing is I'm hardworking and I have a lot of passion for what I do. Like I, I don't mind working all day, all night if I have to. Um, and I just love what I do. I mean, being able to work with kids, like what, what a unbelievable career, uh, vocation, like to, to wake up every day and, try to help guys achieve their goals. Um, You don't get to do that very often in life and we get to do it every day. Um, And I just think it's super cool. Yeah.
0: I I think the same
1: thing. And I'm
0: 63. So you're, how old are you? I don't even know how old you are. 54.
1: Yeah. So you're 10 years
0: younger than I am. And, you know, I hope you have as much enthusiasm and love for coaching 10 years from now as I do now. It's, it's like, yeah, I've, I've got some scars. (laughs) There's some battle scars and there's some, uh, some jaded parts of my personality that maybe aren't, aren't as soft as they used to be. But I will say this, I, I think I have as much energy and love for what I'm doing for all the reasons you just mentioned. It's like, this is a privilege and an honor to do this. It's great. Um, you've been in the profession now quite a few years. So what is the most significant change in our profession for the better? There's been a lot of changes. So pick one you think, I'm glad that change occurred. It's made our profession better.
1: Well, I think you touched on it earlier, um, you know, a- adding not maybe not so many words, but adding in a second assistant. Um, I think that really changed what we do as as coaches. Um, and uh, I, 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 you know, I still today, I know there are coaches out there that don't have assistants at, at maybe D2 or three, maybe, even maybe some D1s. I don't know how they do it. I, I really don't. Um, but I think you know, you're getting more quality people into the profession. The kids have access to another coach that's talented and can help them. Uh, I think it's just growing the game and um, making our lives easier. Not that that's what it's about, but, um, you know, allows us to focus more on coaching as well because it takes some of the administrative work away. Um, But yeah, I I think that's probably one of the best changes because, you know, we are bringing in better people and more knowledgeable and uh, that's just good for the kids. I agree that better I would agree with that completely. the
0: better quality individual we have in the coaching profession today is one of the great changes we've had. And mentioning that we we talked about Bill Alcorn a little while earlier. He was my volunteer assistant for two years before he went to work for Ryan Hibble. We both know Ryan Hibble is an amazing coach and has done unbelievable things in our sport. he's He's like at the pinnacle. he's right there. but he hired what I think is going to be a great young coach. I mean, unbelievable in Bill Alcorn. And so Ryan had had, had a kid named Quade Cummins from Oklahoma on his team. And Quade was a good player, but hadn't become a great player yet. And I'll never forget talking to Quade at a tournament. And I said, so how do you guys like Coach Alcorn? He said, he's amazing. I said, what do you mean? He says, "He the way he talks to players, it's incredible. Uh, and no knock on Coach Hibble, because he's been amazing for me as well. But this is another voice speaking to me. And I'm paraphrasing everything Quade said, but it was like, this guy's amazing, and for so whatever it was, the way Bill was presenting it to the player to Quade uh, resonated with him. And in the days when you didn't have an assistant coach, the only impact was just what the head coach did. And yeah. Dustin is making an impact on your program in some impacts you don't even know what he's doing right
1: now. Correct.
0: So yeah, I. Agree with you. The best change we've had in college golf hasn't been rangefinders. It's been <laughs> it's been an a uh, an addition additional coach and a quality human to impact these players. All right, this is the the sort of negative part of that. Is what's the change you think has really not been great for our profession? The in your in your last twenty five years.
1: Gosh, I hate I hate to reach out to something very recent, um, but guy and and I, again nil just. I I don't see, I I can't imagine anything worse, um, to be honest with you. Um, last time I checked, I thought we were coaching amateur sports. Um, I I thought, um, you know, it's good for the kids and I I get that. I I just, I don't know. I guess I'm old now, but, um, Hmm. I, I think there's something unique about playing amateur golf. I, you know, I went over to the Walker cup to watch Ben and I, And it just kind of hit home. I was like, this is what it's about this. And I know all those guys are getting paid. (laughs) I get that. (laughs) That was all kind of by the wayside that week. They were playing for their country. They were playing for the love of amateur golf. Um, And it just really struck a nerve with me when I was over there. I was like, wow, like this is what it's supposed to be about. Um, You know, you're playing for something bigger than money. Um, and, And that's what they were doing over there. So I, you know, I, I, I don't know what the future looks like with this, uh, but I, I I don't like it. I, I know I had a recruiter, I won't, I won't name the name, but um, he was sitting in my office last week. Um, we made a very nice offer to him. And he and his family, it like it went over their head, never even heard, never even heard the offer. And the next words out of their mouth were, well, how much am I going to get paid? Mm-hmm. And, boy, it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I was not prepared for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we- it's one thing to be old school, and um, some people would say, well, you got to think forward or go forward with this, but you don't have to go forward with this. I don't think I'm going to do a lot of NIL battles. I don't think it's going to happen with me. I'm, I'm further down the road than you are, down that highway, but it's like if a kid comes in my office and says, well, XYZ University is offering me $40,000 a year to come and play, what are you going to do? Well, I want you to come here, and this is the amount of scholarship I have, and this is what I've got. This is the opportunity. If, if I have to buy you, then I'm always going to have to re-recruit you every day on camp. It's just like, it's not a healthy situation. I agree nice. with you. NIL is not positive for collegiate athletics. And I'll tell you a perfect example. Yesterday, I had four individuals playing in a, in a junior college event here in Waco, Texas, as, an, as individuals. And I told the head coach, Vince Clark, at McLennan Junior College, he was hosting. I said, Vince this is pure college golf right here. This is as good as it gets. None of these kids in this event are getting NIL money. None of these kids are probably getting free equipment. I mean, it's like, this is pure. This is college golf 30, 40 years ago. I loved
1: it. Yeah. Maybe I'm nostalgic. Um, and, and, and I know I'm old. I I get that. Um, but I, I just think You know, when you're devaluing a scholarship, I mean, gosh, just think about how many people in all sports have been impacted by the ability to go to school and get an education, which supposedly is maybe the greatest gift you can get, maybe next to health, um, but an education and how that's changed the lives of people. And now it's almost insignificant. Um, It's more about what what can I get on top of that? Um, I just think it sends the wrong message. I, I really do
0: gosh you and i are on the same page right there and i didn't really prepare you for that i didn't know you were <laughs> going to talk about that but i'm glad you did i think that's good um so let's get away from that and let's move on to advice you know we're constantly giving our players little bits of advice little bits of encouragement things we say to try to make a difference i'll never forget mike holder telling me that he he was talking to a kid on the team that wasn't doing the right thing and he said, "Listen." I may not always say the right thing when I'm talking to you. It's not always going to be perfect, but I have to say something to affect a change in your behavior. It's not good. So we've Mm -hmm. got to change this. So it may not feel good, but we're going to do it. So what's the best piece of advice a coach ever gave you? it could have been one you played for, but probably a colleague if I would love to hear what you've learned from colleagues.
1: Well, this, this isn't the best piece of advice, but I think it's funny. And, and obviously when I talk about funny, it comes from Richard Sykes. So I, I, I was offered the job here at Virginia. Um, and so I called him and, and thanked him because obviously he had a, a role in in helping me get this job. And I, I just called him, I said, Coach, like what would one piece of advice you would give me? And I was expecting something philosophical <laughs> and and life-changing. And he said, Sarge, he goes don't ever give a kid to van keys. (laughs) And I just started busting out laughing. I was like, coach, like of all the things, like how how do you come up with that? And he goes, it's a mistake I learned early on in my coaching career. He goes, I gave a kid van keys, lost the keys, and we had no van for the rest of the week. And he's like, that's the best piece of advice I can give you. (laughs) Well, essentially, that's actually good advice. He actually gave
0: me some advice one time. I was struggling over... Uh, qualifying that we were doing. And I was struggling because that was making some kids unhappy and some kids were going to be mad at me and that type of thing. He says, you've got this all wrong. He said, there's two kinds of kids. There's the kids that are on the van and there's the kids waving at the van. So you, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> there's two <laughs> kinds. <laughs> some, some are on the van, some are waving at the van. So it's like, I, I Richard was a, he was a national treasure, a national treasure.
1: He was. Yeah. Yeah. The stories I could tell them here, yeah, we, we could do three podcasts on that. Um, incredible guy though.
0: Yeah. That was great advice. Actually. He, he gave you advice. It sounded tongue in cheek, but it was actually good advice. So
1: yeah. I right. think maybe even for meaning to it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, don't trust the kids with maybe everything. Um, but especially the van keys. <laughs> okay. Speaking of vans. <laughs> What's the
0: funniest <laughs> story you've ever had on a van? You know, you've driven, you've flown before, but you've also been in van rides with your golf team over the last 25 years. Funniest thing that ever happened on a van?
1: Gosh, uh, it's funny now. It w- it wouldn't have been funny at the time, but we we were driving to uh, Richmond to catch a flight from Richmond to Atlanta to play in Bruce Epler's tournament, and this was probably Denny McCarthy's sophomore year. So this was maybe like. 2012 2011 something like that and so we're going to richmond we got this nice new van all of a sudden the back right side kind of collapses and it's wiggling and wobbling and (laughs) then we hear a boom and the the back right tire goes out and we're literally i'm not kidding you we can see literally see the exit that says richmond airport i mean we're 500 yards from it and so we're sitting there and we like, I don't know what to do. I've never changed a van, you know, a tire on a van. I've had changed tires before, but not on this big old massive van. So we start pulling all the equipment out, trying to make it lighter. And we're jacking this thing up and we're, we're not having a lot of luck, you know, tr- trying to get this, this tire changed. And here comes this guy that pulls up and, <laughs> and he was a character. He gets out, um, bandana on big old muscles fake tan tattoos all over him <laughs> and he says my name is dollar bill i'm here to save you guys <laughs> and we we're like all right well i was like do you know how to change a tire and he's like yeah that's that's easy i was like have you ever done one on a van yeah that's easy I can, I can do this easy and i was like well you know what's this gonna cost me because i didn't have a ton of cash on me and he's like i ah, don't worry about it I was just good samaritan i'm, I'm gonna help you guys out So he gets in there and he's jacking this van up and he changes the tire and puts the lug nuts on. And we're like, all right, well, we got a chance to catch this flight. We're going to have to hurry, though. And we take off. We we get 50 yards down the road and we just hear the the worst sound. It sounds like metal on metal and it's grinding and it's turned out. He didn't put the right lug nuts on it. I, I didn't know Mercedes required like special lug nuts. He, when you change the tire, there are special lug nuts. Well, he put the the old ones back on, and he ripped the ripped the brakes and the transmission out of our thing. It's, <laughs> it broke down there on the side of the road, probably another five hundred yards closer to the exit, um, and we, so we ended up getting stuck and had to ship the van away and get it fixed and and catch a flight down the next day. We miss, miss the uh, practice round, but it's funny now. But th- this guy was such a character. It turned out he was a former WWF uh, wrestler and his name was Dollar Bill. And we had never heard of him, but we get, get on our phones and look this guy up. And sure enough, like this guy was a WWF wrestler uh, and just <laughs> an unbelievable character. But um, so that it's funny now in, in hindsight at the time, nobody was happy about it. But no,
0: uh, the dollar bill, um, uh, he, he wasn't worth a penny, was
1: he? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He, he, well, wow. he, and then we, I tried to contact, I tried to find him and contact him, and obviously wasn't gonna, you know, but I just tell him to say, Hey, like next time you do a van, you might want to, uh, put the right lug nuts on there. But no, he was trying to help us, so it was all good. That's good. Good Samaritan didn't turn out so good. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you have been fortunate. And also, it's been your good recruiting. But you've you've had some really, really elite players at Virginia through the years. And this morning, I named three of the four that you would have put in there. Uh, ben Coles is the one I'd forgotten about and what a wonderful player. He did something very few people do. He wins first two events as a professional out of college. Uh, Jimmy Stanger, Denny McCarthy, and a current player, Ben James. So you, I want you to speak to any or all of these guys. What makes them unique? What makes them elite? Why are they playing professional golf? And Ben will play professional golf one day. What's great about these guys? Coaching an elite player is a big responsibility on your part as a coach because you owe them a lot because of the sacrifices they've made. But what makes these guys so special?
1: Well, you know, I I have this question a lot from guys on our team, um, you know, asking, you know, how how do I get there? What did they do? How did they do it? Um, And to me, I think it goes back a little bit to kind of what I said about maybe myself and and you in terms of coaching. I think passion, and and I'll never forget this. I I asked Jim Ahern one time, uh, a legend, probably a guy you ought to have not to tell you what you need to do, but he'd be a good guy to have well, on this. Podcast. He was an
0: early podcast guest, oh, I mean, Yeah, he
1: was early ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I asked him one time, we were kind of struggling with recruits and maybe not getting the guys we wanted, and I said, Jim, like what's the one thing, you you know, you basically do the same thing we do. Like, what's the one thing you look for? And he said, passion. And I I think all four of these guys had it. Like, they truly loved the game. They were driven. And I I tell our team this all the time. Like, you should never be driven by the clock. You should always be driven by your passion. Um, And these, these guys were. And I think the second thing would be being competitive. I I mean, I think that kind of goes without saying, like it's hard to be a great player and not be competitive, but all four of those guys, they had to win every, I didn't care if we were playing tiddlywinks, like they had to win. Um, And I I think that's really unique. And, you know, a lot of times I tell that to college kids, Um, you know, you got to be competitive. And I think a lot of kids think they're competitive, but they're not when they kind of look around at what these four guys would do like they just refused to leave. If it was a video game. If it was, you know, workouts. If it was, you know, a chipping game content like qualifying. They they had to win. They had to be the guy to come out on top. Um, and then I, I think discipline. Of you know, obviously, all four of them. Um, you, you you have to have discipline in, in in college athletics to be great. You know, you have to do things when you don't want to do them, whether that's you know homework or. Um, whatever you you have to work ahead. You have to, you know, be disciplined so that you can create time to practice and follow your passion. Um, so I think those things would be the things that I think are a common denominator between those four guys. You
0: know, I, I agree with you completely. You said qualifying in there, you know, it, it was part, they're competitive in qualifying, they're competitive in tiddlywinks, whatever it is. You know, I've always noticed my best players, whether it was at Oklahoma State or here at Baylor. When I threw them in qualifying, they knew they were going to the tournament. They're the best player in the team, ranked top 20 in the country. They're going to this tournament. But the pride they took in trying to win that qualifying against their teammates when it would gain them nothing is huge. And I know you've seen that with these four players.
1: Yeah, this was really interesting to me. Um, I'd never had this before. I had coached a couple of good players at this point, but – Denny when he came in his senior year and, and you know we always do our goals for the year and he said his goal was to win every qualifying by 10. Mm-hmm. and he said, if, I, if I can't beat the other four guys on the team by 10 in three rounds then do I really have a chance at pro golf and I thought that was really neat I mean to me it was kind of tiger-esque like um you know to to have that foresight to look ahead and say man I I've got to be better than the rest of the team by three shots a day if I want to play at the professional level. So it wasn't even just about winning, but it was about dominating.
0: Uh, can I tell a story about one of my players, Johnny Kiefer?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Johnny's won most of the qualifying since he's been in college. Not all of them, but he's won most of them. And he really cares about winning the qualifying. It means a lot to him. And um, last year, he, he, we were in a qualifying for the Cabo event, which is a favorite event for the guys. And it essentially came down to there was one more spot available in this last qualifying tournament. And Zach Heffernan, who did hadn't earned a spot yet, was needing that spot. He was leading by one over Johnny. And Johnny's a great friend of Zach's. I mean, they're buddies. And Johnny went out there and just tried. But like, he was so furious with himself when Zach won the qualifier that day. He was happy for Zach, but he wanted to win that qualifier, even if it meant his teammate wasn't going to get the spot. And I I just love that about it because he really cared about the qualifying. And uh, Zach got the spot, which was great, made him better. But it made Johnny's just been a good example that way, because even though he's exempt, probably probably going to go on the event. uh, he, He went out and earned it every time.
1: Yeah. We, in in our program, like if we, we do like this week, we did top 12 was exempt into the next tournament. And, uh, you know, I've had some guys, some of these, you know, they'll, they'll say, Hey coach, I, I know I'm not, I don't have to qualify, but I want to play in it. Like, can you, will you let me play? Cause I want to win it. Um, so again, you see that competitive nature, like they want to come back home. They don't want to sit on their, you know, rump and they they want to practice. They want to go out there and, and, and beat the other guys. Um, so, again, it just being competitive is, a, I think, a big part of being great.
0: You you know, you, you mentioned Ben, Jimmy, Denny, and Ben, uh, all of them high achievers, dream of playing professional golf. Three of them are already doing it. One is currently playing for you. But I always tell people when you cut them open and you look inside, their DNA says, I'm a golfer. Now, they might have that wonderful degree in business. They might have all these things that, you know, sort of a backup plan, if you will, but they don't consider the backup plan nearly as much as they consider I'm going to be a professional golfer. It, it's in them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They. they I mean, it's, it's really like there's no plan B, to be honest. Um, I, don't, I don't think any of those four guys ever really th- thought about doing something different. Uh, ever. Ever.
0: Well, and they're talented, and then you put hard work, and you put the love for what they're doing, which is that passion you were talking about. I've never known a, a player who played for a long period of time that hated the game. They, they, they love the game, and that's what drives them forward because you're going to be disappointed so often in this game, whether it's collegiately, as a coach, as a professional golfer. You're going to have lots of disappointments, but if you have a love and a passion for it, truly enjoy it, then you can overcome those low times.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you probably read the quote uh, Tony Bennett our our men's basketball coach um when they won the national championship uh, it was 2 or 3 years prior to that he t- he told his team they were struggling he said you better learn to love losing before you learn to win mm-hmm. uh, and it's and in our sport it's really true cuz you know it's not a 50-50 proposition when you go out every time it's one in 156 or 144 winning is hard um even for a team like 1 in 15 that's hard um, so you, you better learn to lose, uh, cause you're going to do a lot more of that than win. you know,
0: you mentioned Tony, uh, I have a great example on our campus of our basketball coach, Scott Drew, Scott and Tony are two of the very best in the profession. They're great Christian men. They are guys that are competitive as well, but it's like, they understand that they know they're going to lose more. Than they're going to win, you know, at, at a high level and. They, the perspective that you gain from that is is pretty incredible. Yeah, great. Well, um, so you were a good player. Uh, we talked about it briefly earlier, but you were an All ACC player, honorable mention, All American a couple of times. You did something else though. That I means so you achieved at a very high level on the golf course as a student athlete. But you also won an an award they had at the time at North Carolina State, the Tom Coffey Award for academic excellence. You know, uh, that's one of our our best ranked players on my team currently are also like 3.8 in accounting majors. I mean, they're just really, really good students. Uh, Matthew Perrine was the Byron Nelson Award winner. Colin Cobra never made a B in college. They were all players who played for me. And I'm mentioning those other two, Johnny Kiefer and Luke Dossi. It's like people always say, "Oh well, being a good student has nothing to do with being a great player." I think that they're they're the same. It's discipline. So yeah. your best players are also very good students, aren't they?
1: They are. Yeah. I mean, I think the two are go hand in hand. Like, uh, and again, I think it goes back to just, and I, I say that this is one thing I always say to our team all the time. I was like, if it's got your name on it, be good at it and do it the right way. Um, so I think when you have that attitude, no matter what it is, like it, it doesn't matter if your name's on, if it's a paper, if it's a quiz, if it, you know, do the best you can do to, it, and that might not mean an a, that might mean a B, it might mean a C, um, whatever it is, but do the best you can do. Um, and I think that'll carry you a long way in life. Um, just showing up every day and, and putting your best foot forward and working hard and put your head down, grind, like you'll end up on the good side of things when you do that. I think so.
0: What have you done to get better today? Yeah, you. Yeah. I'm asking you oh, right man.
1: now. <laughs> I, I hadn't done much. I drank a coke earlier.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say that you got on the better than I found it podcast.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I'm not kidding. I, and I told you this uh, at the Valero. I've I've always wanted this call, um, so I, I do appreciate this.
0: Well, you know, I was at, when you and I talked about it at the Valero. I was on the range before the final round, talking to a couple of your players. And I was saying, come on, give me the dirt. What is it about Sarge that I need to know? (laughs) They couldn't come up with anything. They'd said they'd think about it, but I didn't have their cell phones, so I couldn't come up with anything. (laughs) You you lucked out this time.
1: Maybe in five
0: years. Maybe in five years. Tell me about your team. Just go through the roster, if you will, just so people out there, my listeners know who the Virginia Cavaliers are this year.
1: Well, I think if you start at the top with Ben James, I mean, uh, I think everybody knows his story. Great player, uh, has been for 10, 15 years already. Um, but he he's certainly our leader and our, and our number one guy. Um, and then I think as you, you go down the probably this the, the most interesting story on our team is Paul Chang. Anybody that watched the USAM um, saw this young man. He was on our club team a year ago. Uh, And then went to the final 16 of the USAM, uh, took out Caleb Surratt in the second round, beat a good Mm -hmm. player in the first round. I forget who it was, but beat Caleb uh, in 21 holes in the uh, second round. Um, But he he had the good fortune of his match in the uh, previous round had gone over. And, they, and so when TV was airing the, his round of 16 match, it was basically the only match on the course that they showed every single shot. Um, and it was super entertaining. He came to the 15th hole, at Cherry Hills, a little par three down the hill hit the flag. He was one down, hit the flag, came off the green, tough chip, got it up and down, goes to the next hole, has a wedge in his hand, holds it mm. uh, match back to square. Uh, and then it ended up losing on uh, the 19th hole um, the next morning. But Uh, an incredible story of a kid uh, born in China, uh, came here. Um, he, he kind of got it down. He wasn't coming here for golf. Um, he, he's really only been playing golf like six or seven years, which as you know, in our sport, that's almost unheard of. Um, and, uh, chose here over Cal only because it was closer to England, which is where he was going to boarding school. Um, and then he was on our club team for two years and kind of was worrying me about joining the team. And, um, you, as we as we do as coaches we make mistakes a lot um and 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 i didn't add him but then uh this summer he had a really good tournament at the usam qualifier and we added him uh and then gosh he went on to to prove me right at the uh, usam uh going to the round 16 and he's had two top tens in his first two tournaments at valero and chicago highland so um really unique story in our deal like you, you just don't see that very often
0: mm-hmm. you know in my book better than i found it Seven, six, seven years ago now, uh, I had a small chapter called The Magic of a Walk On. It doesn't happen very much. I mean, this kid was truly on the club team and now he's one of your better players. That's off the charts, ridiculously good. That's really, really cool. I love hearing that. Who else? You got? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it is. Um, so, uh, gosh, we got uh, G- George and Josh. A brother. First time I've ever had brothers on a team. Um, George and Josh. George is a, a senior. Josh is a freshman. Uh, so this will be their only year together. But that's a really cool uh, um, story as as well. Uh, Brian Lee, maybe probably one of the most unsung members of our team. Uh, uh, he was a junior Walker Cupper. He's been overshadowed by Ben. Uh, same class as Ben. Um, everybody talks about Ben, 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 Um, uh, but gosh, this kid, he's not far behind Ben. He just hadn't kind of broken through like him. Uh, but he's had two top tens to start the year as well. Um, had a chance to win yesterday. Um, so a really, really good player. And then, you know, Devin Patel from Atlanta, he's a junior, uh, good player. Um, Chris Fosdick's helped us out a lot. Um, so yeah, we, we've got a really good team. I think we're about eight deep this year. We got like eight really, really good players. Um, so hopefully we can make a strong run and and uh, get into match play again like we did last year.
0: Yeah, that was that was an amazing run you guys had last year. And it's kind of fun to be on these runs when you know you have a good team that's competitive and you can even go to a tournament without your best player and finish in the top five. That, that shows a lot about the, the rest of the team. You've got depth. So I look forward to seeing you guys again, but I don't think it will be until the national championship or a regional. So,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I don't think so. Or linger? Do y'all go to linger longer? We used some? to.
0: Um, we we used to go. In fact, that's probably an event that we ought to try to get back into. is a wonderful event. I know they've redone Great Waters since I've been there. It's pretty really good now. So,
1: yeah, okay. Well yeah.
0: uh sounds like to me uh you're excited you've got ten days before you go to Maidstone and then uh, finish off the fall with what remind me again where you're finishing
1: uh Bruce Sepler's tournament Golf Club yep. of Georgia yeah
0: wonderful tournament wonderful tournament
1: yeah yeah Bruce yeah. always does a
0: a great job yeah he's got a great team on a course they know very well you, if you beat <laughs> them down there you've done your job there I'm telling you <laughs> That'll be a tough task. That'll be a tough one, but that's okay. Well, listen, Bowen, I appreciate you spending 45 minutes. Well, actually almost an hour with me today. It's been great. I learned a lot more about you that I didn't know. And, and I think when my listeners listen to this, they'll go, okay, coach McGraw's right. He's not just uh, spewing uh, different, you know, opinions out there. We do have a lot of quality coaches in, in college golf. And I think You are hitting your stride in a big way, and and gosh, I enjoy walking fairways with you.
1: Well, the feeling's mutual. Um, Obviously, you're a great coach and uh, been a great friend to me uh, over the years, and I've always had a lot of respect for everything you've done and accomplished. Um, I think you're one of the top 10 coaches in all time in our sport. Uh, I think you have to be, um, but a a great friend, and, and I do value this time here together.
0: Well, that's great. Well, I'll be uh, looking forward to seeing you hopefully this spring, and, and thanks again and best of luck to you and your team. Keep going.
1: Thank you.
0: All right. You bet. Take care. Uh, bye-bye.